0: Good morning. This is a podcast for the Educating All Learners Alliance. My name is Paul O'Neill. I am the co-founder and senior fellow of the Center for Learner Equity, and I am joined by Wendy Tucker, who is the Senior Director for Policy at the Center. And we are going to talk this morning about an issue which is affecting students all across the country, uh, including kids with disabilities, about state-level masking requirements related to COVID. There's a battle raging in a lot of different states over whether kids should be allowed to wear masks or whether schools should be told they can't allow those mandates. And we are gonna run through various aspects of those considerations. And uh, Wendy, good morning. morning, Paul. <laughs> uh, let me start by asking you a question. Um, can, can you give us some background on this issue, on what's going on across the country? I know that it's, it's localized to, to different states.
1: Sure. Thanks, Paul. So as of today, um, and things are, things are changing rapidly, but as of today, there are lawsuits active in 10 states. Those 10 states each have some version of a state-level prohibition or ban on masking uh, requirements in schools. Um, And so, just to be clear, in those 10 states, either the legislature or the governor, uh, or I believe in one case the state health department has said schools cannot require students to wear masks. And so lawsuits have been filed um, uh, by families and by educators, by by different parties in all the different states on that. So the grounds in those lawsuits differ by state. The ones that I think we're gonna talk most about here um are grounds filed by student families of students with disabilities who are alleging that because their schools are not allowed to have mask requirements their students do not have access uh, or appropriate access to their education because they have some um their disability causes them to have high risk because of the COVID-19 pandemic and so those are filed under the American with Disabilities Act um, There are other cases that are filed under state constitutional arguments. In two states, these mask uh, prohibitions were put in budget bills. And so there are arguments in those states about whether you can do that in your budget. Um, And then in some states, it's on the state constitution's um, guarantee to uh, uh, free and appropriate education for all, not just students with disabilities and families alleging that, that their students are not able to access that education um, because they're not able to safely uh, participate in in in-person education. So in, as of today, again, in seven of those states, there are legal reasons that the bans, the prohibitions are not being enforced, at least in part. Um, And in some of those states, there were courts that granted um, temporary restraining orders, which are Orders that basically say, while you know, while we're deciding whether to grant a longer um, uh, pause to this state-level order, we're gonna we're gonna stop it for now and look deeper. Um, in some states, there, the order has been granted to halt the state ban until the case is completely resolved. Um, and, and then in some states, it's gone back and forth. Florida is one example where a court granted. Um, a temporary restraining order and said, no, uh, the ban can't be done. Schools can institute mask requirements. Then another court said, "Uh -uh, I'm overturning that. And now they're in the middle of trying to figure that out. Um, And then in some states, you have courts in different areas of the state coming up with different determinations. Tennessee is one example where in Memphis, there's a lawsuit under the Americans with Disabilities Act where the judge granted temporary injunction um, and then recently granted extended that injunction so the mask requirements can happen in memphis in knoxville tennessee same lawsuit different plaintiffs different federal judge the judge said no to granting that injunction and so those families those schools cannot uh, institute mask policies that don't allow a parent opt out Um, and then in the middle tennessee area there's a third lawsuit that just got filed last week in the courts are determining that. So that is a long winded answer to your question, Paul. But I just wanted to kind of give give a little bit of background on the fact that it is really complicated. And on top of all that, in six of the states, the federal government, the Office of Civil Rights, has opened investigations into whether those uh, the bans in those states are um, violating the civil rights of the students uh, with disabilities in their schools. All right. Um, (laughs) So I'm going to turn it back to you, Paul. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about how these bans work and what it would look like in places where there there are orders stopping them?
0: Sure. I mean, I think we have to break it down to the most basic consideration, which is that there are competing values here, that folks are concerned about folks losing autonomy because they are being told that they have to wear a mask that they're limiting their right to choose, that parents, for example, aren't being, in some cases, given the chance to decide whether their kid wears a mask or not. They have to wear a mask or they can't wear a mask. And uh, and those considerations are competing with, um, with health and safety values. You know, Do, do we want to prioritize protecting everybody or do we want to prioritize pr- giving everybody autonomy? A third consideration is equity. Are we creating a structure that works for most kids pretty well, but doesn't work for kids at the margins very well? So, for example, if you say that you're not allowed to wear masks, but you have a kid who has respiratory problems, who needs to be protected from from COVID as much as possible, or another set of circumstances with a kid with a disability who can't really participate in whatever the regime is, then you have an equity issue where some kids are okay and other kids aren't okay. And, um, and I think that's at the heart of what's going on here. And you have different political approaches and you have different values that are competing. And maybe in some particular communities, one is more important to a lot of people than, than the other. So, so what it would look like is in a particular place, let's say, a school district says you have to wear a mask to go to a school in, In Alamo County, just made up Alamo County, not Texas. The Alamo is in San Antonio, which I don't think is is Alamo County. So so in in the county, you have to wear masks. Then somebody gets upset and, uh, and the governor steps in and says, nobody in this state can mandate masks be worn. And then they're like, all right, school level, we have to stop because an authority greater than the district just said that that has to happen. But then a bunch of parents go to court and they say, that's crazy. Governor shouldn't be able to say that. This is a health and safety and an equity concern. The, the court gives an injunction and says, hey, that order by the governor that says that no school district can impose a mask mandate is illegal and will be suspended. But now all of a sudden we're like, well, who do we look to here? And that is a consideration. You have to think about who's making the decision. What should the schools follow? And, you know, on a day to day go to school basis, that can be very difficult for a, for a family, let alone a teacher or an administrator or a school to know what the heck is going on here. And Wendy, you mentioned a few states where it's going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And in Tennessee, you mentioned a whole bunch of different instances in the same state, right? Um, and so I think that's, I think that's what we're dealing with. So let me, yeah. And well, go ahead. I was, I,
1: I was just going just, just gonna to throw in two things uh, in response to what you said. One is that, you know, you made a really great point about the sort of, the, the kind of moral issue here. It really is about, um, you know, what's best, is it, are you, are you allowed to do what you think is best for your child or are you supposed to be considering what's best for the greater good and the greater community? And I think this pandemic, not just in this situation, but in a lot of situations has really opened up that conversation And then one of the other things I wanted to say that I I neglected to mention earlier is an an added complication is that in some of these states, it's not just you can't require masks in your schools. Um, It's you can in Tennessee, for example, you are allowed to have a mask requirement in your district. However, you are required then to allow parents to opt out not for any legitimate, or not for any other reason other than the, they want to opt out. It's not a medical opt out, it's not a religious opt out. And so then the conversation is, is it a mandate if there's an automatic opt out? Um, and then Oklahoma, when, the, when the, they, they had a ban, families went to court and the judge issued the temporary order stopping the, the ban, but said in the issuance of the temporary order, you can have mask requirements while we're having this lawsuit, working through this lawsuit, but you have to allow parents to opt out, which again is even more complicated. And then it becomes in a building where you have a mask requirement, but a parent opt out, how do you know who's opted out? When the kids are walking down the hall and some have masks and some don't, how do you enforce that? Um, and especially particularly if you have children in the building who are you know immunocompromised or have higher or just have higher risk for COVID, or have family members at home who have higher risk for COVID. It's just, I think, it's really complicated for the educators to figure out how to implement that when when it's so sort of gray.
0: Right, and and particularly the case when not every state, not every city or district is allowing people to be remote anymore. I live in New right. Jersey. In New Jersey, the law is you can't be remote anymore. Um, although. Uh, the state board of education also recently decided that kids with disabilities can be remote because it's really hard, you know, it's difficult to make that work. So, so talk about your inequities, but 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 leaving that 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 example aside, if remote isn't available and we're making decisions that make it difficult for kids who are particularly vulnerable, who have disabilities or other medical conditions which make it difficult for them to be there and be safe. And they can't be remote and people aren't wearing masks because the politicians or the, the, the larger authorities have decided that that's not something that we w- we're comfortable with on a values level. It's really, I think, creating a, an urgent situation for some families.
1: Correct, and you know, in Tennessee, that's exactly the situation see school districts with very limited exception were not allowed to create a remote option this year. Last year you could decide to go to the online school or you could go in person this year you have to unenroll and go to a private school or a, you know a virtual school that is not part of the district or be in the district. and so and this mask the mask order didn't come up until after the school year started and so you have a situation where families are enrolled in public schools. They, you know, their kids—they're expecting a mask uh, requirement, and then it doesn't happen, and then there's this opt-out, and they don't really have a choice. So I agree, Paul. It's really—it's um, it, really urgent for a lot of families, which is part of the reason that these lawsuits are—you know—courts are federal courts, particularly, are notoriously slow. But these lawsuits are actually moving at a speed that is not typical for uh, federal court lawsuits, and I think. Um, I mean, the families would probably say still not fast enough, but I think that that is a reflection of the fact that 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 time is of the essence here.
0: So what do you let's let's dive in on that a little bit. What do you think is going to happen with these legal challenges? Do you have a sense of it or do you think it's going to be dependent on state by state? It may may be different.
1: I think it's it's going to be dependent on court by court. Honestly, um, some of these are in state courts. Most are the, the state constitution grounds are in state court. The Americans with Disabilities Act cases are in federal court. And, um, you know, they're federal district courts. And like I said, the example in Tennessee, where you had Memphis and Knoxville courts making very different determinations on whether to whether to issue the temporary um, order stopping the governor's action. And, you know, that's that's what I think you're going to see play out around the country. I think you're going to see different things in different places until it works its way up into higher courts,
0: which takes and, a and lot more you, time. And, uh, you, that, that was what I was about to say. I mean, it seems likely that, you know, trial level courts will get to appellate courts and the appellate courts have broader authority and and could be more um, determinative of how this is really going to go across this, the country, but it may take a while to get there. Right. And in the meantime,
1: families of uh, particularly kids uh, with higher risks or kids under the age of 12 at this point are sending their kids to schools every day, knowing that even if they put their kid in a mask, that those the child is surrounded by people who are not masked um, and just trying to have parents are having to balance that. And so I would love, Paul, to talk a little bit, get your thoughts and chat a little bit about if you're a school or an educate, you know, a school leader, or a teacher, and you're in one of these states and you're having to deal with this, you know, the, every day you're getting a different memo, maybe or every couple days. Um, what do you do?
0: Yeah. Well, I don't have a magic answer for that. I would say that <clears throat> I'd read the newspaper every morning to find out what the law is in my state where, you know, go on, <laughs> go online to, uh, to whatever website you look at to find out what the current law is because I, I mean, I'm, I'm kidding and I'm not kidding. I mean, really in some of these states, Texas, Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee, um, Iowa, I think has had a bunch of activity. Um, and and that's not an exclusive list. You mentioned there were 10 different states that that were engaged in this, So you really do need to know what is the current set of rules if you're, if you're a school leader, but you're surely by this point, it's now late September implementing a program of how you're handling health and safety and admissions, uh, Uh, something, you know, uh, and and I think you need to be paying attention to whether what you're doing is consistent with what the rules are, where you are, you know, it may, you you would be perhaps morally, uh, it would be morally defensible, but perhaps legally not, if you're following what you think the rule should be and not what it is. So you should be aware of that. Um, I'm not saying you should do bad things because somebody wants you to, but I do think you have to be aware that it's a, it's a, it's a legal as well as a practical consideration. But um, surely educators should do their very best to make sure that kids are not being excluded and that the the notion of reasonable accommodations and finding a way around challenges is something that they need to do. Well, I mean, kind of an opposite consideration. We're talking about making kids wear masks. Another problem is that some kids with disabilities can't wear masks. Because, right. because of health conditions or because of physical physicality issues that would keep them from wearing masks. And the US Department of Education last fall came out with a, a guidance document that explicitly said that schools need to acknowledge that there are some kids who can't keep safe in that way and that the school can't just simply put them to the side. It needs to work to find creative ways to include them. Uh, to keep everybody safe and to and to make it work, and while that sounds kind of mushy, um, we're all in a circumstance that's not ideal and even within these mandates that either cut one way or another, um, I think the challenge for school leaders is to find a way to make it work yeah, and I you
1: know i as a parent of a medically fragile child and another child under the age of 12, I think a lot about what, in, in, a, in a place where this is, the politics are happening, I think about it, and I, I do think, you know, as an educator, it is more important than ever to have those strong relationships with the families and to be engaged in those conversations with parents so that you know, I mean, you know your students, obviously, and you may know, I mean, you would certainly know what their you know, what their needs were that are in their 504 plan or or their IEP, but to just also be in conversations with families to help um to, to just collaborate on ways that that you know if they're sending their child to school and don't aren't comfortable about it because of the masking policies that you're thinking about ways that you can help support the child in the building, whether it's you know, as the educator making sure you're wearing a mask or a face shield or whether it's the seating of the student, not to exclude them or remove them from their their environment, but to give them seating that might be, um, you know, in the in the front so they're not surrounded by other students. And just thinking about, you know, for if lunch is happening in cafeterias, which it is here in Tennessee, um, you know, allow, maybe bringing students who have those immunocompromised issues. Thinking about being able to bring them a few minutes early or giving them seating in the cafeteria, you know, again, you have to balance with the inclusion issues and, you know, with, with all the other um, needs of students. But just trying to think of ways to keep them as protected as possible while the while the stuff is sorted out um, through the court system so that they're able to go to school, learn, especially after the last year and a half. Um, and really, you um, be able to access their education.
0: Makes sense. Yep. And and so individualized for, on every mm-hmm. single level here, you know, every state, every district, every school, every family, every kid. I mean, it's really really specialized and individualized and it tends to be treated in a political way at the broadest level. But that's not how it's experienced, you know. Yep. Um, Absolutely. So what should we be uh looking for going forward? I mentioned what I uh, w- we talked a little bit about the <clears throat> the court structure, um but um what what's at the top of your uh list of things to watch out for? You?
1: Yeah, I'll be watching, you know, I'll, I'll be following closely these these Americans with Disabilities Act cases just to see how the courts rule um related to students with disabilities and their right to access education. But I'm really interested in there are really, like I said, kind of three tracks of cases right now. There are those, there are these, can you do this in a budget bill cases? And then there are the um, the sort of state constitution violation cases. And just seeing what the results are in each of those tracks and if they're consistent, inconsistent and how they play out is really interesting to me. Um, While at the same time, uh, you know, watching what schools and districts are doing to be able to respond and to be able to continue to focus on students. What about you, Paul?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm concerned about aggression and violations of people's rights. I'm worried about a scene. I'm, I'm not saying that I can think of one in particular, but where a young kid with a mask tries to enter a building and he's sent away, you know, where there's some security guard who just says, yeah, we don't wear masks here. And then this family is in a crisis of a kid with asthma or a kid with other considerations that make this impossible and this sort of conflict. And what about that kid who is, you know, eight years old and standing there and is in the middle of a fight, you know, between adults who seem angry. And I don't know, there's there's just a lot of different levels where this is crushing Um, or where a child is home and not welcome to be together with his peers because the parents just can't be, uh, comfortable in sending the child to school. Another consideration is, is, is are we going to see an outbreak based on this? I think there are some okay. different assessments of what the science says, but I've read some articles recently where someone was saying in, in, in a state where they were pushing to disallow uh, masks, like, look, the science is clear. Kids don't transmit COVID. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. You know, yesterday, uh, I believe, was it the, the Pfizer one was was approved for younger kids? Um
1: well, not approved yet. Not approved yet. I'm watching closely. It was, okay, the, well, it'll, it has to go through, but it was, it, the science came out saying that they found it safe. So now okay.
0: that, so, so, the, the, so the more we go that direction, <clears throat> the more that impacts us, although there are plenty of places that don't want to be vaccinated. So, you know, we've got, we've got all these things in, in a mix, but it's just, it's just, I, I'm very concerned about the, the impact on the kids, um, both educationally and emotionally right. and um, in every other way. Uh, we're just creating this 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 conflict. And I'm not sure that it's going away anytime soon until there's an authoritative, until, until a, a federal appeals court says you can or you can't make these rules. Uh, I think we're going to keep going back and forth on that.
1: Yeah, and just to to add, uh, add to that, this week, the newest sort of trend that's happening that I didn't even bring up is lawsuits are being filed against mask requirements in states around the country where families are saying you're violating my child's rights by requiring them to wear a mask so you're get, you're getting the opposite end of it on and are gonna is gonna start through the courts too and at some point these are gonna
0: uh collide
1: nice. so um so great any last thoughts Paul, before we
0: no i know that um we've reached out to some medical folks to get a get a take on uh how they would characterize the circumstance and and uh, do you want to uh pass along the info that we got?
1: Sure, sure. So I think we want to make sure people know to look uh, for more on this masking issue in future ELA offerings. Um, And in the meantime, we have a statement from Dr. Asaf Bittan, who's an associate professor of healthcare policy at the Department of Healthcare Policy at Harvard Medical School. And he's also the executive director of Ariadne, I hope I said that right, labs. Um, And this is his quote. Masks are a foundational cornerstone of an effective strategy to mitigate the societal effects of COVID-19, save lives and eventually end the pandemic. Very strong scientific evidence from around the globe clearly shows that correctly wearing high quality masks reduces the spread of COVID-19 in individuals and communities. COVID-19 is primarily transmitted by exhaled virus containing aerosols, which are small particles that are suspended in the air and linger in indoor settings. Wearing a masks, mask protects the individual from inhaling these transmissible aerosols and protects others around them from being exposed to exhaled viruses. Masks are safe to wear and are a simple, effective way to stay healthy from severe respiratory diseases like COVID-19. So thank you very much to uh, Dr. Bitton. And again, I think Ela will be making some future offerings related to, um, masks and COVID-19.
0: Great. All right. Well, since the leave blower people are now outside my window, this seems like a good time to end this. Thanks everybody for sticking around for it. Um, you can find us, uh, at, uh, www We are the center for Learner equity. Uh, and we mentioned educating all learners Alliance, uh, ELA, Also on the web, Um, check us out and all the different things that we do uh, and have a lovely day. Thank you.